0: Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. I'm going to go to Psalm chapter 13. And if you've been here the last few months, we've talked about a lot of different uh, topics it's been kind of kaleidoscopic but we've really focused on miracles the spirit and really over the last probably 5 weeks we've talked about prayer how many of you've been here over the last several months okay so we really we've kind of landed on prayer today i'm going to talk about if you take taking notes i'm going to talk about okay how do we pray everyone say how do we pray how do we pray when we are in trouble how do we do that right Uh, So I'm going to do my best to to talk about that. But we come to Psalm chapter 13. And uh, let me ask this question first. How many of you are in trouble today? A few of you? Okay. Um, That's a trick question, right? We're all in trouble. Right? We're all in trouble. Before I get to Psalm 13, well, let me just say this really quick. Psalm 13 technically, and today I'm not going to technically flesh this out, but Psalm 13 is a lament. So when you come to the prayer book of the Bible, right, Psalms is our theological prayer book, trains us in how to see who who God really is. Uh, You have different categories of prayers. You have praise or doxological uh, prayers. You have Thanksgiving prayers. You have enthronement prayers. Today, we're going to be talking about complaining prayers for all those complainers out there, right? But um, this is what Psalm 13 is. It's It's a prayer of complaint. Why? We'll talk about that here pretty quick. But the question is okay, um, I, th- I think we all, it's not even a question, but I think we all can agree that on one level, you and I are in some trouble, right? In fact, Eugene Peterson said this, check this out. The human condition, the human experience is on the edge of disaster. He's not being hyperbolic here, so just follow uh, what he says. Humans, how many humans do we have here? All right, apparently we got about eight, okay. Humans are, just feel this. I want you, this is like one of those feel messages. Humans are in trouble most of the time, right? Uh, Those who don't know that they're in trouble are in the worst kind of trouble, right? You bump up against reality or the isness of this world. That's philosophical, fancy talk for um, we know that reality has problems, right? And we're not called to evade the problems. We're called to encounter those problems, speak to those problems within the framework of the victory of Jesus. But, uh, and I don't know who said this, um, but I love this quote. This guy said this, I only pray when I'm in trouble, but I'm in trouble all the time, so I pray all the time. So when we go to Psalm Psalm chapter 13, right, Psalm 13 and this lament has a liturgical feel to it. Um, Behind it all is the language of trouble, right? I'm in trouble and I need help. And Psalm 13, as we uh, read it here pretty quickly, I I think it's the reason why you're going to, you're not going to like it, right? You're going to read through this and you're like, oh man, I want to get out of this service, but you're also going to love it. Why do we love laments or why do we love, in particular, Psalm chapter 13 as we read it? Because it's universally applied, right? We all know what it's like to be in trouble. Let me just say this before I read this psalm. I want to compare the last 10 years of songs, we'll say in North America. Uh, There's a a person that I I just recently met at a cohort in, in Los Angeles. And his church, he's a really smart guy, his church came up. Um, with this algorithm. I don't even know how they did this, right? And so they wanted to um, get some data analysis of the top 100 worship songs over the last decade, right? So they worked on some diction stuff, syntax, structure. Some of you are like, give me some aspirin, right, right now? Um, And so they kind of put together this algorithm and they took all the top 100 worship songs and threw it through this um, uh, data um, analysis thing. And they came up with this one song. And, uh, again, this one song that I'm going to read to you represents kind of our worship mood, which I think some of it's really good. Some of it's a little interesting. Uh, And if you love music, how many uh, people who love music here? Okay. Right? Musicians, whatever. Uh, So we totally relate. We totally, you know, I'm a musician. Um, This song uses three chords. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Three chords, five, ten. Who cares, right? Just play this Play the music, right? Um, and it's done at a third grade reading level. So the title is this. Remember, this is a compilation of 100 songs with a lot of analysis, and this is the average of all these songs. God, you are awesome. Starts out good. Can I get an amen? This is the first verse. God, you are awesome. Completely awesome. I think we need to get a little bit more creative, right? God, you're awesome. And then it switches at the very end of this first verse, just like me. And then it goes, have you ever seen Batman, Lego Batman? (laughs) Think of this next part in his voice. You make me better, right? (laughs) I have a six-pack. No, that's not what this said. (laughs) You make me better than I already am. You lift me, but I've always been, been pretty great. It's kind of an interesting anthropocentric feel to some of our worship songs. I, I, how many of you love worship? I'm not dogging on worship. I love worship. We are so blessed. But I just think this is interesting. And then the third verse goes, you're yes and amen. That is my heart's theme because you endorse everything I want and everything I dream. And then it continues, because you're awesome and I'm awesome too. The glory goes to me, but also some to you. And then the last Mark, Thornton, would you call this a chorus? I don't even know what this is. And then it's fire, oceans, lions, lions, oceans, and fire. (laughs) Fire, right? Oceans. Apparently we write a lot about oceans and lions. And how many of you like lions? So why are we talking about that? Well, it's funny because if you can compare that, like I believe in praise, and maybe over the next few weeks we'll talk about praise. How many believe in praise? Yeah, we do, right? But when you come to Psalm 13, man, there's a different feel. Like, I want you to, I want you to feel, as I read Psalm 13, the mood, right? Because I'm a, there's a liturgical feel, which means that there's a choir master, right, who takes um, uh, the people of God and leads them into the presence of Jesus. And this psalm feels like a downer. Like, if we sung these songs at church, we would no longer have a church, I'll be honest. Most of us would probably get up and leave. Like I got to get out of that church. That church is weird and a little bit like moody or whatever. But Psalm thirteen, verse one. This is uh, the beginning of this um, psalm. It goes, "How long, O Lord, will the Dallas Cowboys not make it?" <laughs> right. All the Cowboys said, Amen. "Amen." So feel the mood. Feel the mood. Now just go with me. How long, O Lord? Could you imagine if I got up here and started singing this? over and over and over, right? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever felt that before? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? Feel it. Feel what this liturgist is leading the people God into. How long shall my enemy be exalted? Over me. This is not intended to be rhetorical. I, want, I like it when people talk back to me in, a, in an appropriate way. Uh, what's the mood? Anyone, shout it out. What's the mood of this? I know we've got about 700 people in here, but just go with it. Despair. I, lo- I heard despair. What else? Depressing. Yes. What else? Huh? I, 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 I'm hearing a lot. Of, I'm 43 years old. Apparently, I'm losing my hearing right now. At all sounded right. What's that? Frustration. frustration. Yes. Has anyone ever been frustrated? Okay, yeah, it feels like frustration. For me, it feels like this is the worst. Like, I hate being frustrated. Um, despair, yeah, That's that's actually worse than what I'm going to say, but that's bad. But being confounded or believing that God is full of hesed and emet, which is faithful covenant love, right? And yet God is not answering you. The mood in these first few verses, right, is one of enigma, right? It's confusion. God, I thought you were this way, but why am I, why am I going through this? Why have you hidden your face? And then he continues, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, illuminate my path, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So he's on the borders of death itself. And then he says in verse 4, here's here's the trouble part. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I, everyone say, but I. I'm going to make an argument that the but is the wrong uh, translation of, of the Hebrew here. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let me say something really quick before I quickly, in 15 minutes, talk about this little tiny lament or complaint. First, I think, I don't want to exaggerate this, but I do think we have a problem in the church. Now hear me out. You can disagree with me, just hear me out. I think we talk a lot about God but we don't talk to him, right? I think there's a problem of direction, right? We talk about God and our problems. Again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, right? I'm talking about God right now, but we, we talk about God, we talk about our issues, we talk about our problems so much, and we direct it to our friends, those whom we trust, which I think on one level is absolutely important, but I don't think as a community, again, I'm not trying to exaggerate this, but I think there's some truth to this, that as a community or even as Christians, we move into, we don't move into, what I'm trying to say, into talking to God. It's not just enough to talk about God. It's, it's important, and this is what this psalm teaches us. It's important that we talk and learn the art of talking to God. I don't know if you know this, but God has already spoken to us. Prayer on a fundamental level that we find in the book of Psalms, which is made up of five different books, is basically us speaking, in the words of Eugene Peterson, us speaking back to God who has already spoken to us. Right. So prayer is learning to speak back to the God who has spoken. And God wants you to enter into the depths and the texture of this collaborative relationship that we have with him. Right. I think one of the reasons why we don't, do this, and I'm going to get to my my points with uh, Psalm chapter 13, is because in the words of C.S. Lewis, the reason why we don't talk to God is because we assume that when it comes to prayer, we have to be what we ought to be, right, as opposed to who we actually are. I think people even don't even come to church, right, because they had a, man, you had a bad week, Right? And maybe Saturday night you're just exhausted, you don't have the right feels, like and you're pretty angry with your spouse, no one here ever experiences that. You're frustrated like maybe your you college football team lost or whatever, right? If we're not careful, we assume that going to church or approaching God, we have to we have to be something. Like we have to be joyful. We have to man, we have to be full of faith in order to approach God, thankfully, what we find in Psalm chapter 13 is that God doesn't want us to be something other than who we are. Because here's the problem if you work from the assumption that I ought to be something when it comes to prayer, you're, what you're inevitably gonna to try to do, you're gonna to try to fix yourself. Right? You're gonna tr- and I don't know how you do this, but you're gonna to try to create an emotional experience. You're gonna to try to get yourself into faith. You're gonna to try to get yourself into joy, and you're gonna to try to sanitize your emotions and you play pretend when you come to God. And it's exhausting, and you give up even trying to pray, because the whole point of life is you can't fix yourself. The whole point of life is that, and God has designed it this way, that it's only God can I get an amen to this, who can fix us, right? It's God who rescues us. It's God who delivers us. And I think so many times because we don't feel a certain way, we feel shame, right? And then because of that shame, we make decisions not to go to God in prayer. We then repress our what we're feeling and we don't go to God in prayer or we even don't go to church, on Sunday, or do uh, things that we should do in the context of the framework of community. So, Psalm chapter 13 shows us, to bring this full circle, how do we pray when we are in trouble? Do we pretend like we're not in trouble? Do we sanitize our emotions? What do we do? Well, This psalm makes it very clear. I I just have two basic points. Usually I have so many more, so thank the Lord this morning for that. I'm, I'm landing this plane here pretty soon, so this is a short message. But number one, what we just read, God expects, there's an expectation that God has when it comes to prayer. God expects us to be honest. I was hoping for a better Right? As opposed to, this might be too strong, but I think sometimes we're too dishonest. And what does that mean? I I think that means that we don't really bring our complaint and our frustration to God. We suppress it because we think there's a stigma to that. I've I've been a Christian for, for, as an example, for 25 years. I'm not talking about myself, but this is a hypothetical situation. People say this all the time. I've been in church for a long time. I've been a Christian for 25 years. I shouldn't feel this way. And so rather than bringing our honest prayers to God, we suppress them. And here's the thing. You get stuck when you do that. God doesn't want you to be stuck. John chapter 8 makes it very clear. Jesus said, if you abide in my words, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free right so god works in truth and here's the thing when we sanitize our prayers like ah oh, there's nothing going wrong there's nothing wrong with me we we try we don't talk about it we don't internalize it we don't bring our complaint our frustration and our anger to god because we believe we ought to be something rather than who we are and we kind of believe that we have to fix ourselves before god can fix us what happens is we don't then bring to light all the stuff that's keeping us stuck, all the stuff that only God can bring healing in our life. And we know this in neuroscience right? They know there's a lot of quantum things that happens within the architecture of your brain and it's only when you take negative beliefs and negativity and complaint to the surface that those negative beliefs begin to lose their power in your life. And we can see that even on fMRI machines and and how your brain is affected. Now let me just say this really quick. What I'm not advocating for is, okay, um, this is kind of a the psalm is a psalm of lament. It's complaining. It's a complaint. So that means that I can go and complain all the time, right? What what, what we do know um, in neuroscience is that complaining leads to brain damage. It's a fancy thing called neuroplasticity. The more you practice something, whether that's positive or negative attitudes or whatever, right, or habits. Your brain then creates neural pathways. The architecture of your brain physically begins to change. And those practices become easier. And what we're now finding, these neuroscientists are finding that complaining actually changes your brain, the architecture of your brain, and causes brain damage. And now we're finding a link between complaining and dementia. It's crazy, right? So what I'm not saying, let's just go around, let's complain We have our 99 problems, right? And let's start sharing it with the world. I I think we need to exercise wisdom. What I think this psalm is saying now, set that aside, what I just said, and let's now focus back on Psalm chapter 13. What What I think this psalm is saying is that we are to take our complaint and our frustration and bring it to God. Number one, we have to learn to bring honest prayers to God. And when you bring those honest prayers to God, how long, oh Lord? God, have you forgotten me? God, I'm in trouble here, right? My kids, man, they're not coming to church. I've been praying for, praying for them for a very long time. What, where are you, God? God, I've been praying about this sickness in my body for a long time. It's chronic and nothing's happening. God, I'm soon to have seven kids, and there's no way I'm ever gonna make it. <laughs> That's been my prayer. Seriously. Guys, I need counseling. Right? And it's only gonna be seven. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Please. I did hear, this is just a side note. I was in LA, and I, had a, I took an Uber to the airport, and a guy knew of a woman who had three sets of triplets. So I'm like, thank you, God. Three sets of twins, I can do that, right? Um, right? This is what this psalm is all about. Don't, don't deal with dishonesty. Don't evade, because God works in truth. And it's when, we br- it's when we bring to light what we're going through, right? All the complicated emotions, not trying to sanitize them, but when we bring them to God, that's where healing takes place. And I don't know if I said this, but Psalm chapter 13 is a portrait of an emotionally mature person. If you want to be emotionally mature follower of Jesus, you have to learn to process your emotions in a right way. And you, I, I usually take it from a different angle. I'm not, I'm, how many, how many feelers do we have? Like you just, you have emo- tons of, we all have emotions, right? There's no automatons here. But, like, probably half of you just, you're very, you have emotions. That's great. How many of you are more like me where you don't want to deal with your emotions? Let's be honest. Am I the only one? Okay. No. Like, so, we're all over the spectrum, right? So, there's different ways that we can approach this. My way, and I think it's somewhat healthy, is that I always begin with Thanksgiving, right? And I thank God for his goodness and I allow the Thanksgiving, um, a declaration, engulf how I feel. I think that's really important. Other people do it a little bit different, such as Psalms. We start with, this is my complaint. This is what I'm going through. This is how I'm feeling. God, I need you, right? And so when we do that, where we begin to grow into an emotionally, in the words of one scholar, emotionally mature follower of Jesus. How many of you want to be emotionally mature? Now, what this is not saying is we can come to God and blankety-blank him. Right? I mean, that's weird, okay? But I think what this is saying, come on, let's be honest people. Some of you, I might say this a little bit too strong, but please don't judge me. I think some of you are dishonest with what you're feeling. And you try, and I get it, because maybe your strength is that you're strong. And you don't want to tell other people, What you're going through, because that implies vulnerability, and vulnerability in in our culture is strongly correlated with weakness, right? And so we don't like talking about this or sharing even our emotions with God, but it's absolutely essential if you want to be who God's called you to be. So number one, how do we pray when we are in trouble? When everything around us is not going as expected. When we fundamentally believe that the steadfast love of the Lord is with us and yet it just feels like our circumstances are not lining up with that. Well, you have to practice the art of bringing your prayers to God with honesty. Don't fake it until you make it. Faith it. Don't fake it. Faith it. Come on. Second service was so much more loud. I just, come on, don't fake it. Right? Thank you, young man. <laughs> Call me Mr. Wild, too. I'm, anyways. I'm 43. I'm getting old. I, I get that. I deserve that title. But we don't fake it. We faith it without question. But within faith, we have to um, be honest, right? Let me just say this again. And there's a lot more that I'm going to go into over the next several weeks. But I couldn't do it today it is absolutely important that you don't sanitize how you feel. Which then, we then transition as we look at Psalm 13. I, I want to read this, uh, go to verse, um, sorry guys, verse, uh, let's do verse 2. Again, I want you to feel this. How must, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Right, we have the presence of trouble. He's being honest, Right? He's not trying to sanitize anything. We continue in verse three. Consider and answer me. This is kind of demanding, right? This is an imperative. Right? So this is kind of what come on, talk talk to me. What what is parents? When you tell your kids to do something, right? It's an imperative. What does that imply? Command? Pastor Ken Wilde says, hey, great answer. You know pretty much everything. <laughs> Next time, be quiet. No. I mean, you ruined it, Dad. <laughs> but no. Um, consider and answer me. This is a demand. It's a command. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Are we commanding God? Are we demanding? Right. So feel this. This is ah. Oh. Some of us again are just like so. We got to be absolutely perfect with our tone when it comes to God in prayer. Stop that. I think the devil wants you, he wants to lie to you that you have to be a certain way in order for God to hear you. Stop it. Be okay with not being okay, right? We're not okay with getting stuck, right? But we have to learn to process these emotions. Not to, Please don't do this on Twitter. The problem is because there's a, I just know when people are not praying. You know how I know? It's because they take their complaint and put it on Twitter. It is amazing how people go to Facebook and they absolutely embarrass themselves because they can't stop what's in their heart from going public. What what are they doing? It's catharsis because they're not praying because they're not giving it to Jesus. They have to give it to somebody else. So they probably gave it to their children. They probably gave it to their spouse, and then that didn't help. So they went to Twitter and Facebook and issued their complaint about whatever's going on, right? Christians can say the darndest things. But it's important that the first thing we do, I recommend that you don't say anything on Twitter that's controversial, okay? If you disagree with me, you're wrong. (laughs) I do think we, man, 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 we need to learn the art of not talking just about God, but speaking to him. But feel this, consider an answer, O Lord my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Let's continue, verse, I think verse 6. Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Or verse 4, sorry, verse 5, I think verse 5. But, here we come. So remember, the first thing, how do we pray when we're in trouble? Man, be honest. But, verse 5, here's the second point. I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Go quickly to verse 6 and then go back to verse 5. Media, you guys are amazing. Verse 6 is, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Go back to verse 5. But I have trusted. The but implies that this trust or this declaration or statement of trust is mutually exclusive with the whole mood of the psalm, In other words, uh, complaining and trusting when we bring it to God are somehow m- like diametrically opposite. But that's the wrong translation of that Hebrew word. The word actually is and, which implies that life is way more complicated than just being a complainer or a praiser, right? How many of you woke up in the morning, this happens to me a lot, where, man, it's a beautiful day, sun's out, gun's out right? Or how many of you love the the month of November? It's my favorite month. I love waking up. I'm always happy in the month of November. I don't know why. I think it's because of the holidays. I love the crisp air. I love the possibility of snow, right? Love snow. So I usually, it's funny, there are times when I wake up in the month of November, it's great, and then I'm a pastor, and my job, my vocation, which I love to do, is to spend time with people who are going through a lot of problems. And if I'm not careful, I'll come home at At 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock at night, that morning, man, I was killing it. I was victorious. I was praying for everybody. Like, man, I felt almost like in a raptured, transcendent state. 6 o'clock, I know I had to come home to 30,000 kids. (laughs) And I've met people with all their problems. I am worn stinking out. And I'm like, God, Psalm 13, where were you today? Because at 9 in the morning, I knew exactly where you were. But now it's 6 and I'm wiped out and exhausted and there are a lot of problems. If, if we're not careful, hear me out here. If we're not careful, we create, I don't want to get fancy with my talk, binaries, categories, right? We don't understand that yet yeah, in a given day you can have 42 complicated emotions. Please hear me. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze anybody. I'm just trying to speak to our lived experience. And so what happens is, is when people really feel the presence of God, they feel really good, like say, i.e. in the morning, like me, you're like, man, I'm in the will of God. And then the day happens, the boss says something, you get a bad whatever, and then your emotions are just totally out of it, and you start to complain or whatever. We then assume that we're out of God's will. Now to be sure, if you do complaining wrong, that can lead you out of God's presence, but hear what I'm saying. I think we are people that have complicated emotions. And what this psalm is telling us is that you can almost, in the words of Gary Brashear's, my theological mentor, almost simultaneously you can be in complaint and praise. In fact, what this psalm shows us which is my last point, and I'm going to get done here, is that you can be honest with God, you can bring your complaint with God, but that complaint is grounded or engulfed in a bigger reality that God, even though I'm going through a very difficult situation, God's steadfast love is bigger than anything else. Bigger than anything else. Right, so number one, how do we get, how do we Get out of trouble or pray away, out of trouble. How do we enter into an emotionally mature follower of Jesus? we got to be honest with God about what's going on. Number two, we have to ground everything, our thinking, our believing, how we see the cosmos, how we see our relationships. From macro to micro, we have to see everything in light of this one reality. The steadfast love of God never quits. So praise and complaint can overlap each other. In fact, I think the whole goal of prayer, just let me say this, the whole goal of prayer is always to get us into praise. The whole goal of being honest is not let's get stuck in our emotions and our feels. Let's try to be authentic. No, no, no. The whole goal of praying is to get us into Praise. For some of us, that might be easier. For some of us, it might not be as easy, right? But the whole goal of prayer is to get us into celebration, to get us into joy, right? To get us into the understanding, the depth of understanding that God's steadfast love covers everything. There's not one circumstance in your life that somehow exists independent of God's steadfast, caring, compassionate love loving desire for you. And I have, not but. And I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. This is not the imperfect tense, which means he's dealing with the past as if God has done this. What is he he doing? He's making a statement of faith. He has complained. God has done something to him. I, I bet you this liturgist wrote this really quick. He was experiencing so many different emotions, and he moved into faith. This is a forward look. Even though I can't make sense of everything, I trust that you're going to work out, not just some things, but all things. I trust, and I'm using the theology of the Psalms, that you are a rescuer. You are a deliverer. And I'm in the pit right now, but you're going to lift me up. Right? I can't figure everything out, but you are my wisdom, Psalm chapter 1 right? And I can't figure out why I have all these enemies, right? Why is there so much injustice in my life? But I know that you are the son, Jesus, and I thank you that you are in charge, and you will put my life to rights. I'm going to pray for us, but let me just say this really quick. I don't think we will totally understand how... What's the? I I don't have a word. How breathtaking praise is, unless we first be honest with our troubles. Because part—it's not the only thing. Hear me. But part of praise is the realization that I really had it bad. So if you're not being honest with how bad you had it, right, and you weren't honest with yourself, and God delivers you, and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, that's—I kind of expected that, right? It, It. Praise loses, I think, its um, dynamism. That's why I think it's important, number one, to be honest with God. Um, because God deals with truth, right? Number two, we can't sanitize our emotions because we got to get them out. And once we get out our emotions, right, our anger, our complaint, we'll talk more about anger over the next uh, few weeks. We give that to God. We are then set free. And then we move into, and again, it's, it's less of a long journey. It's kind of a simultaneous thing. As I'm learning, we then move into praise and faith. Now, sometimes we move back into complaint. Have you ever been there? And then we move back into, we vacillate back and forth. But here's the thing. This is what I want us to do. Are you hearing me? Did I make that clear? One thing I'd like you to do as a practice this week, I want you to pray through Psalm 13. Take five minutes every day. If you want to do it longer, you can certainly do that. But pray that. Pray Psalm 13. God, how long? Are you going to forget my kids? How long are you going to forget my body? How long are you going to forget that promise that you spoke to me 10 years ago? Be honest with God. Give it to God, number one. And then number two, as the Holy Spirit leads you, right, stay in that. How long, oh Lord? But as the Holy Spirit leads you, allow God to begin to show his love for you, right? Allow God to do a healing work in your heart. And as you experience that healing work, God will bring you into a place of emotional stability. We need more emotionally stable people in our world, right? And as followers of Jesus, when we're allowing, as we go to Jesus, and I gotta be done, I just saw the time, as we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our emotions as we bring it to God. There's then a freedom to be who God's called us to be. I think the reason why maybe some of us can't be who God's called us to be is because we are stuck. Let's become unstuck. So let's pray Psalm 13. I want you to buy this week. bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for those who are in trouble. You're like, Chris, I'm in trouble. I'm depressed. I can't figure it out. I'm anxious. Or oh, I have this thing at work that I can't, man, it's just, it's, it's wrecking me. Or oh, my kids, maybe something with your kids, maybe something with your body. I don't know what it is, but you are in trouble and you want the Holy Spirit to come right now. You want me to pray for you, but you want the Holy Spirit to come and do a healing work in your heart in this moment of honesty. And you know you're stuck and you want God to unstick you whatever unstuck you whatever and as we move into the new year we want the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in your heart if that's you and you want me to pray for you it's kind of a broad I know kind of prayer request could you just raise your hand I'd like to pray for you okay all over the room all over many of you thank you for your honesty all right, put your hand if you put it down take your hand put it on your heart as, as I pray Father as we close right now I just thank you that you're good Lord, we thank you that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Lord, I just thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, I thank you that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. And Lord, I thank you as we, as we maybe even wrestle within the framework of prayer, as we bring this week our, our frustrations, our enigmas, our God, where are you? Have you forgotten me? So we bring that to you. I thank you that your healing would come to every person. Lord, you're going to, un again, I didn't know, is this a word? Unstick us. You're going to get us out of ourselves. Father, I thank you that this year, 2020, is going to be a year of freedom for so many people. And I declare this right now over this church that we're going to move into a, man, a, a, a season where followers of Jesus are going to experience the presence of God like they've never experienced. But Lord, we just open up our hearts now and we give you our complaints. We make a decision right now, this week, to take Psalm 13 and to be honest with you. And in that honesty, we thank you for your work in our lives. And one last prayer, I ask now that you would fill every heart with a fresh understanding of how much you love them. We thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you that we don't have to ought to be somebody, but as we come to you, as we are, it is you, the great physician, who heals us, speaks to us, rescues us. So we say yes to you, Jesus, in your name we pray.